has for us. So I pray today that you would give us eyes to see your word, give us ears to receive, give us hearts that accept, and give us lives that live out the truth of your word today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our sermon series right now is we're going through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it, it is the history of the early church. From the time of Jesus' ascension to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, it, require, it, it, it records the, the Acts of the Apostles. But I think it would be better to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it really wasn't the apostles who were doing these things, but it was the Holy Spirit working through the apostles, through the early church, to bring the message of the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Last week, our youth director, David, preached on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit filled the church. And we learned that the Holy Spirit filled the church for a mission. So that we would be in action. So that we would be right in the middle of the action that the Holy Spirit has for us today. And today we're looking at the results of mission. What are the results of this mission which God has called us to? And so we go to Acts chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, 
you handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Here ends the reading of God's word. We have four points today in our sermon. First point is this. What we learn from this text is that Jesus is alive and active. When Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, his ministry and his mission on earth did not stop. And the same is true today. Jesus' mission continues today. So Jesus is alive and active. You might say, Pastor, this is a no-brainer. We already know this. We accept this reality. Jesus is alive and active. But I think we know this reality in our heads, but we don't really live it out in our lives. So consider this point. Jesus is alive and active. Do you live your life in light of this reality? Are you living today in this simple truth that you probably, if you grew up in church, you've learned since you were a little child that Jesus is alive, Jesus is active. We know it up here, but we don't live it out. He's alive and active. And it's our brokenness, it's our broken sinful nature that can't accept this reality. Because we are sinful. Because we're wholly broken in our minds and in our hearts. We can't accept this reality in such a way that we live in, in it and we move in it on a daily basis. We, really, when, when I look inside of my own heart and when I look inside of my own life, I don't think or live biblically. We just have to be honest about that. We see these realities on paper. We hear sermons about it. We go to Sunday school classes. We go to Bible study. We go to camp. We go to retreats. We learn these realities. Jesus is alive and active. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty of life, when the rubber meets the road, we really don't think or live Biblically, If we thought and if we lived biblically daily, we would be walking in this reality and we would be trusting in this reality that Jesus is alive and active. We believe, uh, actually the way we, we think and the way we live is, is in this way in which uh, there's this philosophy that that God created the universe. 
And he wound up the universe like a clock to let it run on its own. But then he left his creation. And he's not active within his creation. So often that's the way we think and the way we live. We believe that we live in this clockwork universe. God created it. He wound it up. But he's not really engaged in our world today. So we need to repent of this thinking. We need to repent of this way of life. And come back once again to the basic reality that Jesus is alive and active in our world. We fail to believe that God performs miracles today. And that God is personally involved in our world today. What we need is faith. Faith in a living and active Savior. It was Peter who said, By faith in the name of Jesus... By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. He's alive. He's active. And when we fail to believe that Jesus is alive and active... We begin to trust only in the earthly resources that we have. And so many of the earthly resources that we have today, they are good. They're they're blessings from God. But when we're only trusting in the earthly resources that we have today, we're not walking by faith and living with faith in this living and active Jesus, this living and active Savior. Notice what... Peter and John said to the man who was laid at the gate called Beautiful. He said, we don't have silver. We don't have gold. We don't have earthly resources. But what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So number one, Jesus is alive and active. Number two, we learn from our lesson today from Acts that Jesus cares. Jesus cares. And again, our broken nature cannot accept this reality. We can't accept the reality that Jesus cares for for us. And, And I get this. We live in a painful world. We live in a world where a lot of rotten things happen all the time. And it's difficult for us to believe that Jesus is alive and Jesus is active and Jesus cares if we experience so much pain and heartache and disappointment in in life. You know, it's like... We, we, we think if, if he's alive and active, why do so many bad things happen in our world? Why all the pain? Why all the suffering? Why all of the heartache today? 
Because of our broken nature, we can't see that God has a bigger plan. God has a bigger purpose in the midst of all the hard stuff in life. Sometimes life hurts. You just want to write that word hurt on a piece of paper. Or keep that word hurt in your mind. Some of you come into this place today hurt by many different factors, many different things. It's a part of living life in a broken world. Hurt. But I want you to know this, that God will never waste a hurt. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Even in the things that, we, that happen to us and that we can't understand. Now, because of my sinful, broken nature, I am unable to see the plan that God has in the midst of my hurt. I can't see it. But just because I can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because I can't see God's plan in the midst of hurt doesn't mean that He doesn't have a plan for me. I've used this illustration before. I could, uh, if I was trying to prove the existence of elephants, would I go into my backyard to try to find an elephant? You see, with our limited perspective in life, just because we can't see something doesn't mean that it's not real and that it's not true. In the same way that I can't go into my backyard and prove the existence of elephants, I can't with my limited ability always see what God's good plan is in the midst of the heartache and in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the disappointment of life. Just because you can't see God's plan doesn't mean that He doesn't have a plan. And if you're hurting today, know that God has a plan and a purpose. God will never waste a hurt. Ultimately, we need to look for God's plan in the Bible, in the Scriptures. And there we see that God has a greater plan for our lives than what we're experiencing here today. So today, through faith in Jesus, people have found amazing strength in suffering. And really, I, I can't imagine how people walk through this world groping through the darkness, uh, through the painful experiences of, of, of life without God. I, I just can't fathom how people live that way. How they live without this trust and this reality. Life's hard. Life's difficult. And in God, in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we find great strength and great comfort through the difficulties of life. You see, we serve a risen Savior. Jesus is alive. Jesus 
is active and Jesus cares. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through right now. One of the great hymns of the church is, I serve a risen Savior. And the hymn writer wrote, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him. He's always near. How do we know He lives? Power of the Holy Spirit. Working through the Word of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has caused us to stand with confidence in who God is today in the midst of all the difficulties in life. He is alive. He is active. He cares. And then in light of these two realities, we're called, we're called to live our lives in a certain way. Point number three is, in light of these two realities, we're called to live a life of worship. Live a life of worship. The reality of Jesus' living presence and work in our, in our life and in His church causes us to praise the name of the Lord. This lame be beggar, when he came to experience Jesus who is alive, when he came to experience Jesus who is active, and when he experienced a Jesus who cares through the work of his church, what did he do? He jumped to his feet. And he began to open his mouth, singing praises to the Lord. We are called to live a life of worship out of response for what Jesus has done in our lives today. And it's a heart full of gratitude towards Jesus that causes praise to come forth in our lives. When we believe and when we live like Jesus is really alive and active and cares for us, we cannot help but sing forth praises and to live our life in worship to Him. A church that doesn't believe in, a church that doesn't experience the living Christ won't be filled with praise. But a church that's trusting and experiencing Jesus in their midst, they cannot help but bring forth praise to God. But praising God in the house of the faithful, praising God in here, isn't all we do with our faith. Certainly, that's a big part of what we do. It's a big part of what we do is that we are a people who come to the house of God to give praise to Him for who He is and what He's done. But that's not all we do. We're also called... To live, this is point number four, live a life of service. Live a life of service. The ministry of the early church was, I believe, holistic. It wasn't focused on the soul to the exclusion of the physical needs of people. 
And it, it wasn't focused on the physical needs of the people to the exclusion of the soul. The church cared for both the soul of individuals and the physical needs of people. Some churches will discount the necessity of serving the physical needs of others for preaching only. Some churches say we're only about preaching. Other churches will discount the necessity of preaching for serving the physical needs of others. They'll say, forget about preaching. What we need to do is only care about the physical needs of people. Some will say the world does not need preaching. All the world needs is programs that feed the hungry, clothe the naked, house the homeless. Others will say the world doesn't need programs to care for the needy. It needs the clear preaching of the gospel. Which is true. Both are true. And this is the way, the way the early church operated. Caring for both soul and body. Caring for the spiritual needs of people and caring for the physical needs of people. The Bible reveals that we need to preach the word. The Bible also teaches us that we need to care for the needy. Now Peter and John at the gate called beautiful they could have lectured the, the blind man. They could have given the, him a lecture on grace or a lecture about Jesus. But they didn't do that. They simply gave to the blind or to the to the lame man, I'm sorry, to the lame man laid at the gate called beautiful. They simply gave to him what he needed that day. And that was for his body to be restored. They provided for his physical healing. But then this miracle provided a platform from which they could proclaim the good news of the gospel to the world. After the people who had recognized this man and they saw the miracle, all of a sudden they had open ears. All of a sudden, their ears were open, wondering what in the world just happened here. What in the world is going on? And that gave to Peter and John an opportunity to share the good news that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is active, and that Jesus cares. Our world needs bold service to the needy. And our world needs bold preaching. When a church favors one over the other, the church is out of balance. And I believe that the church really cannot accomplish the mission for which it sends, for which it has been sent by Jesus, if it favors one over the other. It's like trying to stand on one leg. All we're going to do is preach, and we're not going to do anything to care for the needy within our community or within our congregation. If I only stand on one foot, what's eventually going to happen? Right? 
So all we need is preaching. Forget about the needs of others. It's not biblical. And the church can't stand. The same is true on the other foot. Forget about preaching. Preaching's out of date. Preaching's dumb. People don't want to hear a sermon. What's going to happen? Church isn't going to be able to stand. It's going to fall. We need both. Clear proclamation and declaration of God's law and gospel. And then good works that flow from that into our world to serve and to help and to give to this community. The church will fail to have a truly prophetic voice in our community apart from our witness through preaching the scriptures and serving others in love. There's a quote that I love. It's from a man named Leslie Newbegin. And he illustrates this point beautifully by simply saying this. To a hungry man, a hot meal looks like heaven. But after he's eaten it, he knows that it's not heaven. So he needs a hot meal. But after he's eaten it, he realizes there has to be something more. There has to be something deeper. Those are the spiritual realities that we proclaim. And Leslie Newbegin, in his book, Mission in Christ's Way, he remembers his time as a missionary in India. And he wrote this. He says, I remember very specifically one occasion when I was taking a confirmation in one of the industrial areas in Madras. As I talked with those to be confirmed, I found that more than half of them had only been baptized in the past few weeks. I learned from the pastor that in this area of heavy industry, there had been 40 adult baptisms in the past 18 months. I asked him to invite these 40 people to give me an account of how each of them had been brought to Christ. In due course, I was able to read their stories. What struck me was not only that each story was different, but also that within each story, there were many different experiences spread over many years. It could be a talk with a workmate on the factory floor, a visit from a Christian friend during illness, the reading of a tract or a gospel portion, some quiet act of kindness in a time of trouble, a sermon, a prayer answer, or very often a dream or a vision. No one could have programmed all this. The strategy was not in any human hands. But one factor was common to all. It was the the presence of a believing, worshiping, celebrating congregation of people deeply involved in the ordinary life of their neighborhood. These many different happenings had their center there. They drew those whose lives had been touched in so many different ways 
to ask, what was the source from which all of this radiated? This was no humanly devised program for mission. This was no humanly devised program for mission. It was the work of the Spirit present in the life of the congregation, flowing out into the community through faithful words and deeds. It was the word that they gave to the community. It was the deeds that demonstrated that Jesus is alive and Jesus cares. It was through the faithful words and deeds of its members. Leslie Newbegin goes on to say, it is this kind of experience confirming what the scriptures seem to teach that leads me to say that mission is wrongly understood if it is seen primarily as a task laid upon us. It is primarily a work of the Spirit, a spillover from Pentecost. And he goes on to see, I think that a very good and valid symbol of our mission is to be found in an experience with which those of us who have lived in India are familiar. When we have to go to a distant village in our pastoral duty, we try to start very early in the morning so that we do not have to walk in the heat of the day. And it sometimes happens that we have to set off in total darkness. Perhaps we're going towards the west so that there's no light in the sky and everything is dark. But as we go, a party of people traveling the opposite way comes to meet us. There will be at least a faint light on their faces. See, as the sun comes up in the east, faintly shines upon their faces. If we stop and ask them, where does the light come from? Where does this light that is radiating your face come from? They will simply ask us to turn around and to look towards the east. A new day is dawning, and the light we saw was just its faint reflection in the faces of those going that way. They did not possess the light. It was the light given to them. The church is that company which going the opposite way to the majority, facing not from life towards death, but from death towards life, is given already the first glow of the light of the new day. It is that light that is the witness. And so church, may we be those people who are going in the opposite direction of this world, not facing the darkness of death, but facing the light of life in Christ. Reflecting the reality that Jesus is alive. Jesus is active. Jesus cares. May they see we, us as a church that celebrates this reality. And may they see the reflection of Christ in our service today. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word which you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago, the apostles met a lame man at the gate called Beautiful. 
And there they, they did not give to the lame man simply the resources of this world, but they gave to this lame man what he truly needed. And that was a visible and real manifestation of your living presence, of your activity in this world, and of the care that you have. So, Lord, help us to see ourselves today as that lame man laid at the gate called Beautiful. And help us to know today that it's only through faith in you that we can be made strong again. That we can not only walk, but run and jump and celebrate in our hearts, and in our lives, all that you've done for us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence in our midst here at Maple Park Church. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us within our hearts and within our spirits to open our eyes, to see that the fields are ripe unto harvest, And help us to go to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, to those who don't know you as Savior. Help us to go in the reality that you are alive and active. Help us to go to them in the care and concern that you have. As a worshipful people, may we serve others in need. It's in your name we pray, and all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.